Welcome to Maestros on Air, presented by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Recorded at the Peak Velocity Studio in beautiful Brevard County on the east coast of Central Florida. Maestros on Air is a discussion of culture, news events, and life on the Space Coast, and highlights the music, concerts, and personalities of the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. The show features President of the Symphony Board, Eric Lee, SCSO Director of Communications, Bill Trudeau, and me, Jeremy Hickman. Sometimes we're even joined in the studio by the maestro himself, Aaron Collins. We're glad you're listening. So let's get going with this episode of Maestros on Air. And welcome, everybody. This is a special episode of Maestros on Air. I'm Jeremy Hickman. This time on the show, we are at the River House, the world headquarters for the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. I'm sitting with Aaron Collins for the hour, the musical director for the Space Coast Symphony. We recently had the announcement for the 2016-2017 season. We're going to have a long-form discussion about the pending performances. We're going to play some of the musical pieces, and we're going to discuss what the audience can expect to hear over the unfolding year. So first, Aaron, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Well, the first thing I noticed, I was at the announcement that we actually, one thing that's different this year, instead of having a single announcement at the River House, we actually had two announcements. Uh, we had a an announcement that took place down in Indian River County, and then the second one here in Brevard County. Yeah, we uh, for the last three years, we've done a uh, season announcement party here at the River House, or here in Brevard County. Um, this year, we wanted to bring that uh, announcement party down to Vero Beach and, uh, and have a good time with our Vero Beach patrons, donors, uh, and just our family down there. So uh, we had a great time. So we did two season announcement parties back to back, and, uh, and it was a great time. Certainly, uh, everyone seemed to be enjoying themselves at the announcement that we had uh, here at the River House. There was uh, food and drink. Uh, we also had musicians played, actually some student musicians from the quartet movement. We may actually talk about that a little later on. Yeah. Uh, but the second thing that struck me is the quantity of shows. As I look at the program for the upcoming year, there's actually 20 performances. That's correct. It, you know, the quantity actually... Um, when we first start talking about the future season, I always start really large. So I usually present 50 concerts to the board of directors. <laughs> right. um, I'm kind of a dreamer and, uh, they kind of pull me down from the clouds and, uh, we kind of confine, um, this programming. So we have a good season that, uh, is not only entertaining for the audiences, but is also doable for our um, financial side of it. So, um, yeah, it's uh, always an interesting process. We usually begin in January uh, talking about what we're going to do for the next season. And I usually use as a starting point, um, there's several things I use as a starting point, one being the uh, solo artists that will be performing with us. I kind of build programs around them. And then I also think of uh, some uh, programming uh, that I want to include if we have commissions or newer works that uh, we want to highlight. Um, I figure those into the programming as well. And then we kind of build around those until we have a uh, workable season. 
Well, certainly there's a good bit of variety as usual. Uh, of course, you mentioned some solo artists being uh, featured. Yeah. Uh, also, the Masterworks continues. Yes. Uh, the Jazz Orchestra, strong as ever. Uh, but let's start off the season talking in June with a little bit of pops, Bright Lights of Broadway. Yeah, we have two concerts in June. The first one is Bright Lights of Broadway. Um, our audience loves Broadway music. Uh, so we wanted to present a program of some of the great uh, Broadway tunes. Um, those include South Pacific, Showboat, Phantom of the Opera, Wicked, and then, then some other uh, ones that we don't get to highlight necessarily too often, like Me and Juliet, The Flower Drum Song, uh, Grease, uh, Mamma Mia. So there's a good uh, mixture of music that I think the audience is going to just love. I think that'll be a very popular start to the season. Uh, people really do like pops. So a bit of a taste for the audience now. We'll play a clip from Fiddler on the Roof. Fiddler on the Roof, one thing, you'll be able to hear the Space Coast Symphony play in the season opener, Bright Lights of Broadway. Uh, but then in June, we go on to a second piece, a traditional concert each year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we go to Land, Sea, and Air, and Armed Forces Tribute. Uh, this is our eighth year doing this program. It actually was a program that we began before the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra um, came into existence. So... It started out as this uh, small concert with brass and choir, and it's kind of exploded into a much larger concert. So we have um, our wind orchestra, uh, which comprises of our wind section, our percussion section, and our brass, and uh, they're joined by a women's chorus, and it's uh, kind of this patriotic hoorah um, and just great music that uh, highlights our armed forces. So it's always a fun concert. A piece on the concert that we'll be uh, highlighting. I always like to throw a few, you know, curveballs in right. the concert. A couple of them. Um, one is Michael Doherty's Rosa Parks Boulevard, um, which is a great piece of music. And then also um, Eric Whitaker's uh, piece called Godzilla Eats Las Vegas. And it's a really, really. <laughs> I don't know that I've heard that one before. It's 
goes from... Is hope- that from a movie? Uh, no, it's okay. actually just a kind of an imaginary um, overture, and it goes from hotel to hotel. So you go from Frank Sinatra to Elvis, um, and each of them slowly get eaten by Godzilla. We'll hear a little clip of that now. Always keeping it interesting, Godzilla eats Las Vegas from the Land, Sea, Air, and Armed Forces tribute concert. Yes, they'll love it. It'll be fun. <laughs> uh, then uh, moving on to July, Russian Masters. Yeah, this is our first of our Masterworks series, so uh, we're very excited about this program. It has three uh, Russian masterpieces on it. Of course, Borodin's Palavitsian Dances is one of the most uh, famous of the Russian works. Um, also on the program is Rachmaninoff's Isle of the Dead. You don't get to hear that live too often, and it's just a really beautiful and powerful work. Rachmaninoff was inspired by uh, a painting that he saw at a um, at an exhibit, and uh, it was uh, Arnold Bachlin's uh, painting called The Isle of the Dead. And now Rachmaninoff wanted to recreate this painting through his music, so it's a tone poem, and the music suggests the sound of the oars as they meet the waters on the way to the Isle of the Dead. And, and it's in five, eight times. So you hear the way Rachmaninoff kind of um, makes the music sound as if you're in the sea as he switches from one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, two. One, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two. And he has this juxtaposition throughout, and it is just a gorgeous piece of music that I think our audience is really going to love.
So we have that on the program. And then also we have uh, Stravinsky's uh, powerhouse piece, um, Petrushka, um, which is his second ballet. Um, he's, uh, of course, the three ballets, the Firebird Suite, the Rite of Spring, and Petrushka. And this one is just an incredibly challenging piece of music. I know the musicians are looking forward to doing it, um, but it's a really difficult piece and one that I think the audience is going to um, gravitate to towards as well. It has all kinds of fun songs throughout and a lot of uh, carnival-like atmosphere in it. So I think um, the audience will love this piece as well. returns in august it's the music of the olympics of all the concerts i think this is the one i'm the most looking forward to yeah it's uh we did it four years ago when the olympics uh back in 2012 well i believe there's a video associated with that still hanging around there is a video yeah and uh that was a fun video to put together it was me waking up in the morning to make it to the concert um me going through this rigors of olympic um you know, all these different events um, culminating in me swimming across the river in my tuxedo. So, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We may have that kind of surprise element in the concert coming up in August as well. So you never know. Uh, this music for the Olympics, I mean, there's so many great tunes written for the Olympics. I mean, of course, John Williams is most closely associated with uh, the Olympic sound. And of course, you'll hear all of his um, wonderful pieces like Summon the Heroes, Call of the Champions, um, the Olympic Spirit. But there's also a lot of other works that people don't uh, know um, that were written for or associated with the Olympics, um, anywhere from Dmitry Shostakovich's Festive Overture, um, uh, Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings, you've got Chariots of Fire, you've got all kinds of works that uh, really um, exhibit the uh, majesty and power of the Olympics. So I think it's going to be a great concert. And of course, on the screen as we perform, there will be these Olympic stories that are unfolding as well. So each piece will tell a story along with the videos on the screen.
Not to second guess my comment, because that is true. I am really looking forward to the Olympics. But the concert after that is actually a redo of what was truly my favorite concert from last season, which is the Big Band Bash. We should have the return of uh, conductor Dr. Pat Hennessy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pat Hennessy um, did a great job last year with the Jazz Orchestra, and I know he's going to have a lot of uh, surprises as well. Um, we do have a few jazz programs that are not announced that we'll be announcing just in a few weeks. You actually said something that I was thinking, which was, uh, I really hope that we were able to expand the jazz programming this year. Yeah, that's something that I continue want to do. Um, you know, the jazz series uh, has been growing, especially in Vero Beach. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of jazz music that we haven't covered yet. Um, so I think we're going to um, see that expansion this year. But the Big Band Bash is uh, kind of your unadulterated great music from the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Some of the great names, uh, Billy Strayhorn, Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Jimmy Van Heusen, Benny Goodman, um, a lot of great names in there and music. And uh, we're really looking forward to uh, hearing what Dr. Hennessy has put together for this concert. So one thing I notice about the, the Big Band Bash, these, for the most part, tend to be pretty uh, straightforward, uh, traditional arrangements. But one of the great things about uh, the concert last year and some of the other concerts, and I think we'll work this in, I think it's true with both the Jazz Orchestra, but also Space Coast Symphony as a whole. Uh, we've got several comments about the fact that the theme keeps coming up, which is... Uh, the orchestra will play very well-known pieces, mm -hmm. but they will play a slight twist, maybe a different arrangement on right. it. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, so you will hear some of the great classic arrangements by um, by these orchestrators, but um, there will be throughout the program uh, modern retellings, so to speak, uh, reimaginings of these great works through other composers' eyes. So I think that's a, um, something Dr. Hennessy does quite well, is mixing the old with the new. And uh, so that's n more evident in his jazz programming. So I think uh, you'll get to hear a lot of great tunes um, reimagined.
Well, moving on from the big band bash in September, the second half of the month, the Grand Canyon Suite will feature a percussion-heavy arrangement. Uh, in fact, uh, quite a number of timpani on stage. Yeah. Um, the beginning of the concert, the opening of the concert, is uh, a work by Michael Doherty, a timpani concerto. It's going to feature the fantastic Brian Raddick. And uh, Raise the Roof is the name of the piece. It's a timpani concerto. Audiences don't get to see those too often. So I think our audience will love this. And of course, they really love Brian. Um, This piece kind of is inspired by the contributions of um, architectural works like the Notre Dame uh, uh, Paris Cathedral, um, the Empire State Building in New York City. And it's just a really great piece of music that keeps building and building. Um, also on that concert, we're doing uh, George Gershwin's, you know, incredibly famous work, uh, Rhapsody in Blue. Um, that's going to feature a local pianist, Brian Gatchel. He actually owns the uh, music store Atlantic Music, um, and um, and he's a terrific pianist. And uh, it's one of you know the most popular works in the orchestral uh, medium, and it's just a fun piece of music uh, that gets um, to highlight some of our musicians in the orchestra in addition to Brian on the piano. That piece does actually open with one of our own featured uh, Jennifer Royals will be playing. Mm -hmm. And at the recent announcement for the season that we had here at the River House, I had a chance to get some snap reaction from some of the patrons. We'll listen to a couple of clips over the course of the hour. Uh, But one of the people I had a chance to talk to was Jennifer Royals, and she actually mentioned this particular piece. Yeah, we've done it uh, before uh, with uh, pianist Jeffrey Beagle. Um, In fact, the clip we'll be listening to um, is a clip from our last concert with um, Jeffrey Beagle. And uh, yeah, it's... uh, one of the most fun openings of a work, you know, written. I mean, and, and Jennifer's personality uh, will shine as she plays it. So I think it's uh, it's always fun to do Rhapsody in Blue, and I know the audience uh, is always happy to have it back on the concert. Well, let's listen to her perspective, followed by a few bars of the opening of that piece. So I was searching YouTube for, for videos and tips on the opening glissando, and I come across an interview of Ricardo Morales, who's one of the best clarinet players alive right now. And he was talking about it, and, and somebody asked him, so what piece makes you the most nervous? And he said, oh, Rhapsody in Blue. And I thought, great, you know, if that makes him nervous, it'll make me nervous. But that's exactly why he said it, because everybody knows it. Everybody knows how it's supposed to sound. So if you don't get it right, you don't get it right. <laughs>
that's Rhapsody in Blue, but the headline piece is actually the Grand Canyon Suite, and I think you want to talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, actually, the connection between Rhapsody in Blue and Grand Canyon Suite is uh, is the composer, uh, composer Ferdé Grofé. Um, he, in fact, was the uh, orchestrator for Rhapsody in Blue. Um, he was the orchestrator and arranger for the Paul Whiteman Band, who um, actually premiered both Rhapsody in Blue and the Grand Canyon Suite with his orchestra. Um, the suite is one of the most popular suites ever written. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. It's in five movements, and each of the movements um, paints a vivid scene of the Grand Canyon, the sunrise, the cloudburst, the storms. Um, and it truly is um, one of those pieces that um, connects with an audience outside of our normal audience. Um, Grofi had an incredible ear for orchestration, and uh, this piece, you can just hear all the colors of the Grand Canyon as, uh, as the orchestra performs. And we're going to be listening to a little clip from On the Trail, which is one of the movements. And uh, it's uh, absolutely fun with a little oboe and bass clarinet solos, piccolo solo. You'll hear a French horn solo come in uh, shortly thereafter with a lush strings. And uh, while we be performing this piece, we will also see the Grand Canyon on the giant screen above us um, in partnership with National Geographic Films um, to uh, present uh, this beautiful retelling of uh, Ferdy Grofi's uh, Grand Canyon Suite. Well, I know the audience always likes multimedia pieces. I know I certainly like them. And at the recent season announcement here at the Riverhouse, uh, several pieces came up as very exciting for the new season. One of the things that kept getting mentioned was the Grand Canyon Suite. So I think it'll be a very popular concert. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I try to, I don't want to become the multimedia orchestra, but when it's, uh, I think for a work like this, one that was, one that is so descriptive in its music I think it just only enhances the piece even more by seeing these images on the screen. So uh, I think the audience will just love seeing it and hearing it.
well, speaking of seeing things on the screen, uh, one of the largest movies ever on the silver screen is the movie Titanic, and that is the theme that is featured during our October concert, Titanic, a tribute to James Horner and Dynamic Duos. Yes, we're bringing back Dynamic Duos. Uh, Last year, we partnered with the Melbourne Independent Film Festival uh, for this really innovative program that pairs film composers and film directors as they collaborate on a short, silent, five-minute film. Um, And the culmination of it is a performance at our concert where we will perform the score with the orchestra as the silent film is premiered. So... We got a lot of great um, films out of that and scores out of that last year, and we're excited to bring it back this year. Um, Instead of doing it at the movie theater as we did last year, we're going to actually bring it into one of our concerts. Um, And I think uh, it's going to be a great first half of the concert um, featuring uh, these films. On the second half is, as you mentioned, Titanic and um, the music of James Horner. Um, James Horner, of course, one of the great film composers of the 20th and 21st century, um, just recently uh, died in an airplane crash over in Los Angeles. And uh, his music is very meaningful to me. And I grew up listening to his music and fell in love with his music early on. And uh, he's an important person in my life, um, as he is for many other people. So uh, this program gets to highlight some of his great scores. I mean, he's written so many, but this just small little portion will highlight some of his uh, uh, great works from Titanic, Mask of Zorro, Cocoon, Braveheart, um, Willow. I mean, there's a lot of great scores and, uh, we're very excited to, uh, do this tribute to one of my favorites, James Horner. Speaking of honoring those important people in our life, the next concert at the first half of November is actually another concert that we tend to have each year honoring our heroes. This is part of the pop series and actually will feature the Wind Symphony. 
Right. Yeah. Something we're doing different this year is we're actually adding this to our pop series. Typically in the past, this has been a free concert, but, uh, Last year, we had a special event, um, a concert for Mary, if you remember. I do. Um, that was wholly successful, and it brought together eight or nine different music ensembles, over 300 musicians, and it was just a really beautiful concert. Now, that's one concert a lot of people just keep talking about, how great that was, seeing so many ensembles in the area collaborate and perform together. So this year... Um, and this is a Maestro's On Air first exclusive. Um, <laughs> we, we have to get like some, you know, theme music for exclusives yes, like this. we need exclusive music. Um, so uh, this year we're actually bringing in four or five different uh, music organizations to perform with us. So this concert will be um, very similar to the concert, a PRISM concert, where you'll have two and a half hours worth of music honoring our heroes, um, our armed forces, um, performed by over 300 musicians again. And, uh, and it'll be a beautiful tribute. And then this year we'll also have some co-performances and, uh, and maybe a finale that features all five or six groups. I hate to sound like a big softy, but uh, one thing about the honoring our heroes concert every year when we play, Towards the end of the concert, the theme music from each of the armed services, yeah. and you have the uh, the veterans stand up. And yeah. I mean, I'm talking about it, and and tears are, are coming to my eyes a little bit. It just yeah, it's, it's a very emotional moment. It's for me. always uh, the best part of that concert, um, and any time you get to do those uh, do that work. Um, but you see those veterans, their wives, their husbands uh, standing up. You know. Just taking it in, taking it all in, and just standing up so proudly. Um, so that's one of the great moments. I always leave that concert very happy. Yeah. The second half of the month sees something new for us. The a couple of pieces I'm not familiar with: mm -hmm. uh, Symphonia Antarctica. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think there's a Strauss piece that I am familiar with, but I think that's the only one that I know. Yeah, there's three works on it. Uh, first is Malcolm Arnold's uh, Tam O'Shanter, and it's an overture. Um, it's kind of a drunken romp. Um, it's based on the famous poem by uh, Robert Burns, and um, it is just an absolutely fun piece. You hear a lot of Scottish sounds, and uh, Malcolm Arnold has always been one of my favorite composers. Uh, he's... Um, grossly underrated um, and underperformed, in my opinion. Um, but uh, this is a fun way to open up this concert and kind of a contrast to this uh, next two works, uh, the Richard Strauss's Four Last Songs and also Vaughn Williams's Seventh Symphony, um, which is Sinfonia Antarctica. Um, Richard Strauss, um, Four Last Songs, I would say is this piece is kind of the culmination of his entire career. I mean, he's definitely known for his huge swooping orchestral works, but his heart and his, you know, his heart was with um, the art of song. And uh, I think when he was six, he wrote his first song and he closed his 
uh, life at the age of 84, writing this work for Last Songs. Oh, the Strauss piece is actually going to feature a local soprano, an excellent singer, Mary Ann Kruger, right. who has played multiple times with the symphony. Uh, at the recent announcement of the season, I she was one of the people I was able to corner and have a couple of minutes conversation with her about what she's expecting and why she likes this particular piece. Well, it's called uh, Die Vierletzte Lieder, The Four Last Songs by Richard Strauss, and they're a group set. Um, and they are, in my opinion, some of the most beautiful music that has ever been comp composed for the soprano voice. It is just amazing. I was reading through them today, reading through the poetry today. It is just so phenomenally beautiful. And the, um, the third one, Beim Schlafengehen, which means uh, going to sleep, it's one of my favorite songs of all time because it, it's about going to sleep and then dreaming and living a greater life in your sleep. It's just absolutely gorgeous. I always try to uh, create some sort of uh, personality that gets infused, some sort of personality that is a combination of the poetry and the music. I am an instrument. The vocal aspect is, is instrumental, obviously, but it's also very human and it's and the humanity is something that enhances the aspect of the music it's a, a it's something that cannot be neglected it would be a, a <laughs> rather a travesty if you did neglect it the humanity is such an important part of all music but when it's such an integral part of the instrument namely a human voice it would be ashamed not to exploit it So yeah, um, it is the apotheosis of Strauss's life and work, a man who, having lived to the full, contemplates eternity with perfect equanimity. And then after Strauss is the featured work of Vaughn Williams, the Symphonia on Antarctica, this is a piece I'm not familiar with. What can you say about that? Yeah, this is the seventh symphony of Vaughn Williams. Vaughn Williams, one of the great symphonists of the 20th century, wrote so many brilliant pieces. Um, this one's kind of unusual in that it was based on a film score uh, that he wrote. This uh, film was called Scott of the Antarctic. It's based on Robert, uh, excuse me, Robert Falcon Scott's ill-fated uh, Terra Nova expedition and his attempt to be the first one to reach the South Pole, um, a very 
a powerful story that a lot of people are familiar with. Um, Von Williams wrote the score, and uh, later Von Williams extrapolated it and turned it into his seventh symphony, Symphonia Antarctica. Um, it kind of marked a new phase in his development, even at the age of 80. He was 80 years old when he wrote this. Um, it's a work on a heroic scale, and although there's a little conventional musical development, the imaginative use of tone color um, is uh, is really incredible and uh, prominent in this piece of music, a lot of pictorialism. Um, and there's also... A, it's a very large orchestra. I mean, it is scored for piano, organ, celeste, a huge percussion section, including xylophone, vibraphone, bells, wind machines. There's a, a offstage chorus um, and theremin. So there's a lot of uh, really extraordinary things that are happening in the uh, symphony. It is very interesting because when you were talking, I want, I was thinking of making a joke about, are you going to have a guy with a hacksaw and a bow? And then you mentioned a theremin, which mm -hmm. is you know almost the same thing. Yeah. So uh, uh, he originally scored it for a soprano voice uh, offstage and had that really eerie quality um, and isolated sounds and uh, we're going to be doing it with uh, the theremin which will be a really interesting um, contribution to it so I'm, the I'm excited who, the enemy says maybe you could throw in a little uh, mini clip of the Doctor Who theme if you worked at it so, so as long as you're going to have a theremin on the stage right uh, probably not. No? But, um, okay. Well, something to hope for for the seventeen eighteen season. Then. Yes. Doctor Who will be our... Uh... <laughs> uh, I've got some thoughts on that. Well, as we round out the calendar year in December, there are two concerts scheduled, one that traditionally has been standing room only a sellout, and the other one, quite frankly, I'll be surprised if it doesn't sell out. The first one being the traditional ninth annual Messiah sing-along, which is also a free concert. Yeah, this is uh, another concert that started before the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Um, it was uh, Dr. Vernon Bouchel did this concert for many, many years here. And when he passed away, it, uh, the concert kind of disappeared. And his family asked if I would, um, would I consider redoing, you know, bringing it back. Continuing the tradition. Absolutely. So I was thrilled to do that. And, uh, it's been one of our most popular concerts every year. It's a packed house. Uh, there's nothing like hearing a thousand singers sing the Hallelujah Chorus and other great choruses from the Messiah, and uh, it's always a fun time. This year, we're actually going to be bringing it to Vero Beach, um, which is a first for us. So I know uh, Indian River County singers will be excited about that. So uh, that's one new addition. And then, as you mentioned, we move right into Star Wars, um, I will say that for the last four or five years, we've always done so many holiday concerts. And this year, you kind of see our December is a little barren. Um, and that's on purpose. We're kind of taking a break, um, so to speak. Um, last year, we did 14 to 15 different programs in December. Um, and there's a few that we haven't announced um, yet that we'll be bringing back. Uh, of course, our performance at the Avenues, um, Christmas on the Green um, over in Titusville. Um, but we're kind of relaxing, and we're kind of going to build towards a non-holiday Christmas event, which is Star Wars, a musical tribute. Um, but it's a perfect time because the new Star Wars story, Rogue One, will be coming out in December. 
um, a few days after we perform this concert. So this is going to be a concert that highlights all seven scores from the films. Um, yeah, which from- is very, very interesting because I, I think almost everyone likes the music of Star Wars, John Williams' music, of course, across many different movies. But in my opinion, that this is probably the one that he's most known for. Yeah. And, and you know, as we say, we don't like to get stuck thematically, but we do have a few concerts with music from various movies. But in this particular concert, we're going to have both some old and new. So the traditional Star Wars theme will be there, but even the most recent movie, Ray's theme as a new piece of music, will be featuring. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one of my favorite themes from all of Star Wars. Um, it's precocious and it's uh, it's heroic and it, it's playful. I mean, you can hear a lot of these things in the music and we'll hear a little bit of, of Ray's theme now. So yeah, we get Ray's theme, we get the um, Duel of the Fates, the main title, Across the Stars, Darth Vader's theme, um, the asteroid chase. I mean, this is every great piece from Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is a modern day opera. I mean, there's hours and hours of music for the entire series, and it's some of the greatest music written, and uh, we're excited to premiere it. or perform it, excuse me, um, here in December. So uh, I know our audience is going to get a kick out of it, and it's also going to bring a lot of new concert goers to our concert as well. So we're excited about that. Well, as we round out the year, we'll say goodbye to 2016, hello 2017. Hello January brings Hello Dolly. That's easy to love, Broadway's romance. That'll be our first concert of January. Yeah, we... Uh, this past year, we did a concert, Rodgers and Hammerstein and Andrew Lloyd Webber experience. It was very popular. We had four soloists uh, performing with us. Um, the crowd absolutely loved that. Um, so this year, 
we wanted to bring uh, back four soloists to the concert and uh, perform uh, the love songs of Broadway. Um, there's a lot of great music that's, you know, centered around love. Hello, Young Lovers, Some Enchanted Evening, I've Got You Under My Skin, Blue Moon, With a Song in My Heart. There's so many great songs, and uh, we're going to feature um, four terrific soloists performing this music with the orchestra. And that is all that love's about And we'll recall When time runs out That it only The second concert that we're going to have in January is something a bit new thematically for us. And I will tell you, as I went around the donor party, the announcement here at the River House, multiple people had a very strong reaction. By far, the strongest, most positive reaction was to the announcement of this next concert, the Wild Wild West. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Westerns. So many great scores. I talked about Star Wars a little earlier, but Westerns, there's so many fantastic scores that have been written. And uh, this has been a few years now where people have said, we want Westerns, we want Westerns. And I um, succumbed. I mean, it's easy to succumb when you have scores like The Magnificent Seven, Dances with Wolves, The Big Country, How the West Was Won, The Cowboys. I mean, all of these are just iconic scores. The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Um, and I even throw some scores in there that are not really Westerns, but themes I really love, like The Wind and the Lion and Lawrence of Arabia. Um, so uh, it's going to be a, a program that features some of the classic scores. And uh, and as we perform, perform those scores, of course, you'll see the movies on screen and, and uh, can fall in love with those movies and scores all over again. Next up is February, 
And that's the month of Valentine's Day. So perhaps most appropriate that the concert is Romance is in the Air. Uh, more of our Pops series, the Jazz Orchestra returns. Yeah, this concert uh, will feature a surprise vocalist we haven't announced yet. Um, and we'll feature all these great love songs. I mean, we highlight some love songs in the early January with Broadway. Um, but this concert will feature those great jazz standards about love. Um, all the things you are, L-O-V-E, um, it had to be you. I mean, there's just a ton of great songs out there that, um, and it's a perfect Valentine's Day concert for uh, for our patrons and, and get to hear of a jazz orchestra perform these fantastic tunes. Uh, then we move from the light to the very heavy, the planets. Yeah. Um, this was one of our most popular concerts uh, several years ago, uh, our partnership with NASA. Uh, and everybody's been wanting it to be brought back. So um, we, in fact, close our season with our final uh, collaboration with NASA, the Cosmos. And we thought it was appropriate to bring the planets back to kind of build up to the finale of our season. Um, the planets of course is one of those, uh, incredible works. It's gregarious, reticent, perceptive, and naive. It's practical. It's visionary. It's musically and intellectually adventurous. I mean, it's all of these things and it's just a powerful experience for any concert goer. It's just each movement is, is, is fantastic. So, um, we're excited to bring that back. Of course, the images uh, from uh, the satellites and uh, and uh, all this wonderful footage brought to us by NASA. In fact, um, some of these images, this may be the first time they've been publicly shown. Right. Well, I mean, we did show them with uh, the last performance. There won't be much change from the images that we've seen. Um, but yes, this is uh, some of the first footage and, and things of of that nature that uh, show the planets in a, in a way our patrons haven't seen before. So it's very, very exciting. And also on that concert, uh, we are bringing back our, back our great friend, Kenneth Fuchs. Um, and we're going to be performing a work called Glacier. Um, it's a concerto for electric guitar and orchestra, and it's featuring the tremendous guitarist DJ Spar. And uh, it's going to be a fun, fun program. Uh, Ken Fuchs music connects with our audience, and uh, he's one of my favorite people in the world. Um, and I know they'll love this piece of music. Um, and it's it's great to see an electric guitar concerto uh, performed as well. So I think this will be a very fun program for our concert goers.
what would be March without St. Patrick's Day? What would be St. Patrick's Day without a little bit of Irish music, uh, the music of Emmett Cahill coming up in March? Yeah, Emmett is uh, this up-and-coming artist. Uh, He's from the group Celtic Thunder, and he's starting to establish his solo career. I met him last year, and he's got an incredible voice. I mean, one of the best. And uh, he's quickly becoming one of Ireland's uh, uh, great singers. And uh, this is going to be one of our special concerts. Um, And this is uh, one of his first performances with the full orchestra, performing, um, you know, Irish folk song classics, songs from your favorite musicals, and much, much more. So uh, he's a... He's a real talent, and um, I cannot wait to perform with him. So here's a little of him singing Dream a Little Dream of Me. Stars shining bright above you Night breezes seem to whisper I love you Birds singing in a sycamore tree Dream a little dream of me Say nighty-night and kiss me Just hold me tight and tell me you miss me While I'm alone and blue as can be Dream a little dream of me Stars fading but I Sunbeams find you Sweet dreams that leave our worries behind you But in your dreams, whatever they be Dream a little dream of me Well, we've said often, and I don't want to overly drive home the fact that the symphony really strives to have a nice diversity and isn't relegated to simply the, what I call, classical top 40, but they are certainly important and very well-loved, which is the reason they got to their place of prominence. So the second half of March, our classic series will continue, and some of those, what I call, classical top 40s will be featured, including Daughtry, Haydn, and Mozart. Yeah. Uh, our concert opens with a world premiere. Um, Which, I guess, uh, I have to clarify that. That can't really be a standard just yet, since it's a premiere. Right. Uh, but the other two pieces are very well. No, you're known. absolutely right. The uh, Piano Concerto in D Major by Haydn, and of course, uh, Mozart's uh, very famous Symphony Number no. 40. Um, but the opening of the concert uh, features Michael Doherty's Indiana Elegies, and it's kind of his tribute to the landscapes, the beauty of Indiana and in addition to the people of Indiana. So it's going to be a great con- uh, piece that contrasts with the next two pieces. Now, just recently, we've had Jacob Velasquez, um, eight-year-old pianist uh, with autism, uh, perform uh, these special chamber concerts, his first recitals um, here in Brevard County, and they were a major, major hit. He was fantastic and um, such a an amazing child and um, musician, just really proud to be associated with him. 
Um, so we thought it would be great to bring him back to perform Haydn's Piano Concerto in D. Um, it would be his first performance with an orchestra. Um, I know he's very excited about it, and I know we are as well. So um, I just love um, featuring young talent and especially shining a light on autism as well. Um, so this will be a great program. We close the concert, of course, with Mozart's Symphony Number no. 40. This is my favorite um, of his symphonies, um, and it's one of his most popular symphonies as well. Um, what I really love about this piece is it's really direct. It's not, it has no flourishes. It has no um, introductions or gestures just for gesture's sakes. It has a lot to say and says it forthrightly and powerfully. And um, that's what I've always loved about this um, symphony. It's it's just a very powerful piece of music. And uh, and I know the audience will love hearing it by performed by the Space Coast Symphony. As we move on to April, we have just one concert currently scheduled for the month. That's Appalachian Spring. This is part of the Classics series, and the full orchestra will be playing. But in particular, we are going to feature a number of soloists. Let's talk about those. Yeah, there's four four works on this concert. Um, we open the concert with John Adams' Chamber Symphony. Now, John Adams is one of the most famous uh, living composers, um, and has written some really uh, fascinating and important works um, that are being performed. Um, this chamber symphony is early in his career, uh, and um, while he was studying the score to Schoenberg's chamber symphony, his son was watching cartoons in an adjacent room. And if you can just imagine cartoon music and Schoenberg mashed together, um, you get an idea of what um, of what this is. I mean, the piece is a really virtuosic romp for the musicians. It's, it's incredibly challenging piece of music, and uh, it's just uh, goes from sheer joy to just hyperactive craziness um, throughout. So I think uh, the audience will really love this. It's a little atonal, but I think. Uh, uh, it's a very attractive piece that our audience will love. Um, well, I'm just now getting this. I mean, earlier we had a conversation. You you mentioned the Roadrunner, but I thought surely that was just a coincidence that it, there was just happenstance. It was named by this, but you're saying it is actually tied to the cartoon. 
Yeah, somewhat. I mean, the the movement, the final movement of the symphony is called Roadrunner, and it takes its name from one of the good cartoons whose scores mingled with Schoenberg, Stravinsky, and Hindemith all in Adam's inner ear, and it has kind of musical espresso shots uh, resulting in a sense of sheer joy of playing music together so much so that it's easy to forget the hyper virtuosity Adam's demand. So there's a lot of really fun stuff that happens in this piece and uh, it's scored for a very small ensemble, 15 musicians. So I think um, it's a good contrast to what will be also on the program, uh, the works of Aaron Copeland. Well, in terms of musical espresso shot, we've actually got a bit of that music we can listen to now. sampling of Roadrunner uh, from Adams, the Chamber Symphony. Uh, The middle of the concert is going to be two pieces from one of the most famous and appreciated American composers, Copland. Yeah, we have two works by Aaron Copland. First is Clarinet Concerto, um, one of my favorite pieces of music. And again, Um, featuring Jennifer Royals on clarinet. Yes, the theme of Jennifer Royals throughout our season. Um, Yeah, Jennifer will be performing... um, this great work by Aaron Copeland. It's scored for strings, harp, uh, and clarinet. And it's just a beautiful piece of music. The, the first 10 minutes just is just this ravishing music by Aaron Copeland. And uh, the second half of the piece uh, is jazzy, jazzy section. It's just a really fun piece of music and one of the uh, more important clarinet concertos written. Um, also on the program, of course, is Copeland's Appalachian Spring, which is one of those great pieces of the 20th century, Pulitzer Prize winning piece, um, which, of course, popularized uh, the Shaker folk song, Simple Gifts, um, among others. It's just a beautiful ballet that he wrote for Martha Graham, uh, and, uh, and the audience will love that as well. Also on the concert is a harp concerto by Yinistera. Um, that'll feature our harpist, Haley Roadside. Um, it's a really neat piece of music, and people don't get to hear harp concertos too often. Well, yeah, pardon me, I'll I'll play the role of uh, the ignorant listener because I don't know myself. When we say harp concerto, what 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 instrumentation goes into a harp concerto? Well, it's actually scored for a full orchestra. Okay, um, but uh, the harp, of course, is you know the soloist. 
So just as in a clarinet concerto, you have the harp upstage front performing okay. the melodic lines. I mean, in this case, for the Inestera, uh, he does a lot of uh, different things in this harp concerto. It's actually uh, kind of an innovative harp concerto. Um, most of harp music kind of showcases the instrument's lyricism, but um, in this concerto, Inestera also kind of made it a rhythmic instrument as well. Inestera... Um, of course, South um, South American Argentinian composer, um, and it's just full of really cool sounds. And uh, in addition to the lyricism of the harp, so the audience uh, gets to see Haley perform, and uh, it'll be fun. season began in June of 2016, which means it's going to wrap up in May of 2017. We currently have two concerts scheduled. Uh, One of them is traditional and is traditionally the last concert of the year, but we're going to have that plus one more this time around. Mm -hmm. That traditional concert that typically rounds out the season is the Mother's Day Pops Bouquet. Yeah. It's a concert we do every year. Um, I love uh, doing this program, and uh, I kind of get it gives me the opportunity to tell the story about my mom through music. So I always uh, build a program around uh, you know my experience growing up and kind of tell my life story through this concert um, with my mother and my grandmother. <clears throat> Um, so this is, of course, also a program that we get to highlight a bunch of great pops music, um, pops music ranging from, uh, you know, Leroy Anderson, Richard Rogers, um, and of course, Duke Ellington, George Gershwin, Brahms, Mozart, has a kind of a hodgepodge of all kinds of music um, that uh, is a lot of fun. And of course, we also get to feature our concerto competition winner um, who won this year, which is her name is Alyssa Berry. She's a clarinetist and she'll be performing on that program as well. So it's just a really fun program. Well, I have to ask, uh, given the topic of mothers and what you said during the recent Three Kings concert, are you mm-hmm. going to play the the last piece of that for your mother, who uh, you said uh, she, she wants that played uh, during her, her dirge? Yeah. Well, 
Probably not on this concert, but there will <laughs> I had be to ask. there will be a funeral march of the marionette that will. Um, when I, when I was a kid, every time my mom walked by in the room, I used to sing, bum 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 as she walked oh, by. Oh yes, and um, and among other things, and uh, um, as she walked by, so uh, it's it's always fun to poke fun at her as well through music. Okay, well, so from that, the penultimate concert this year through to our series finale, The Cosmos. This both ends the season for us, but it also rounds out a triad of concerts that started with the planets and went to the Earth, and we're closing out with The Cosmos. Yeah, so um, this has been a great collaboration with NASA um, they've been one of our most popular series um, doing these. And uh, The Planets, of course, was a huge success, and which we'll have again this in this year. Um, the Earth Odyssey, um, where we performed with uh, Richard Strauss, is also Sprock Zarathustra. Um, and this concert uh, closes with the Cosmos, um, which will display this incredibly incredible imagery from the Hubble telescope and several other telescopes. Um, that just these images of the universe are just magnificent. And that these images will be paired with Dvorak's uh, very famous uh, Ninth Symphony from the New World, um, which is very fitting. So I think um, this is a great way to close out this series. And, um, and it's one of the great pieces from the repertoire with Dvorak. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, really meaningful for us seeing that we're part of the space coast and how much the space program has really, you know, influenced our, our lives here in this um, Brevard County. So, uh, so it's really an important program. And of course on this program, we also have Charles Ives, the unanswered question, which is this um, incredible piece of music as well. Um, which has some strange happenings on stage, which uh, the audience will will enjoy. I think um, some uh, intrigue. Yeah, part of the ensemble is off stage. Part of the ensemble is on stage, and uh, it's an interesting piece of music and uh, really thought provoking piece of music. And also on this program is Christopher Marshall's uh, new work called Cosmos, uh, which he's writing for this program. Uh, Christopher Marshall is a composer that we've highlighted before. He's a great friend to the orchestra, and I couldn't think of any other composer that we'd want to close our season with than Chris. So this is going to be kind of a work um, based on some text, and it's going to have a narrator as well. And we'll have a special guest narrator, a uh, former astronaut, um, that will be narrating the concert. And uh, it's just going to be a great addition to the symphonic repertoire that Chris will give us. So we're excited about that.
that's 20 concerts currently scheduled for the new season. Uh, we've filled up more than our uh, typical hour for the show. Uh, clearly, we've uh, filled up the calendar for the year. But uh, as we've discussed before, there are a few other concerts that are potential that are currently being planned that may not have been included in the schedule because uh, we're pending a specific performer or piece of music or we're trying to pull the specific dates together. But uh, anybody who wants to find out what things get added as the season unfolds, no doubt, uh, are probably already aware of our website, but that's spacecoastsymphony.org. And of course, they can continue to listen as the season wears on to Maestros on Air, this program, which you can download free of charge from the iTunes store or listen to it live streaming over the internet at maestrosonair.com. Maestro, Aaron Collins, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Jeremy. Glad to be back on the show. It's always fun. And this time from the River House, uh, I say thank you for joining us, and we'll see you at the show. This has been Maestros On Air, brought to you by the Space Coast Symphony Orchestra. Episodes of this show are available for download in the iTunes Store or other podcast catcher, or for streaming at maestrosonair.com. For more information about the symphony or upcoming events, like us on Facebook, or visit our webpage at spacecoastsymphony.org. Thanks for listening. And remember, as always, we'll see you at the show. A Peak Velocity production.